It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. I'm not sure if anybody's actually going to be listening today because you're probably all in line for your lottery tickets. (laughs) And if you haven't figured out, we figured, hey, everybody else is talking about this lottery. Let's piggyback and do a show on lottery fever and how you can win life's lottery. But before we do that, this is one of those special shows where this is a special day in history. March 30th, right? Yep, Do you know what's special about March 30th, Bo Hansen? Uh, it is the day before the end of first quarter. Now, that, in a quarter like this, that's actually a good <laughs> statement because we are excited for the quarter to end so we can go ahead and set up everything for our clients and see how well they did. But let me give you a clue. And we, we to do this the whole Seinfeld full circle method that we like, we have, instead of giving you the actual artist, we've done our game where we went and found another artist that redid this song. So here, here it is to give you a clue. It's pretty good, Can't too. touch this! I can't help but bob your head a little bit can't when this is going on. You can't touch this! Can't touch this! <laughs> you gotta let him say a few words. Okay, that's enough. For, for those of you who don't know, that was the uh, the punk rock metal version of uh, of Can't Touch This by one Mr. MC Hammer. He is exactly 50 years old today. So not only has MC Hammer gone through $30 million, went from his, his top of the food chain to his dramatic fall by having a huge entourage and then spending tons of money on pants that look like he's smuggling <laughs> something in because they're so big. That um that that's right. It's fifty fifty years old for him. If you want to know what that version was on iTunes, we found the Cut Down Clay band. They they've remade a bunch of songs, by the way. We went through a few of them because it was kind of fun to play around with. But um, let's kind of bring this boat back on track again. And what we're going to be talking about besides MC Hammer turning fifty is um I do want to give a few thoughts on the fact that you guys wrote us a lot of emails about the last show that we did. Um, the last show we did when we were talking about really what it takes to be successful, and we did it in the, the format of giving you tips and tricks that, that have been so successful for many other people out there. Um, they've, they've written books. We decided we work with a lot of wealthy people. Why not share those things with you? So we got you know comments from people from all walks of life, all ages. Thank you, thank you for writing us. If you want to write the show, you can check me out at brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com. You can contact Mr. Bo Hansen at Bo, that's right, B-O at money-guy.com. Um, so thank you for those. We also want to tell you we have, um, bec- we, you know, kind of in the same thought process, we got a lot of great comments on our last show, but in the past, you guys have written us a lot of emails about a show we did. What was that, end of last year, Bo? You know, time seems to fly. I don't know the exact date. I don't want to misquote it. But it was uh, it was called when, knowing when to go pro. Yeah, we we've gotten and what that what that show does is it, it kind of goes through when you might want to consider getting professional help with your finances. And a lot of you guys, I think you come and listen to us because we don't do a lot of shameless promotion. There's no infomercial here. So, you know, a lot of you guys have have appreciated that show. So we're just going to open it up at all times to let you guys go out there and listen to it. So in the next few days, just go to money-guy.com and you should be able to go check out that show. Now, Let's go ahead and talk about how crazy the lottery is. Well, one thing before, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you haven't had a chance to go check out the Facebook page, 
We finally yesterday put up the pictures from the 5K. So if you kind of want to see what the team looks like and, uh, and kind of see those pictures, they're out there if you want to check them out. And I'm going to make another comment. Remember, Nikki did get a medal. Did we put the we, picture we of her? We do have Nikki's award-winning picture up there. Okay, that, that helps out because that's what uh, I just want to make sure she gets proper recognition for, for placing so high in her class. But but just kind of start this out. Now, bear with me. I'm going to click on a link, and I'm this is an actual video, but it kind of ties in to what's going on with this lottery. And, Bo, you told me a crazy statistic this morning. Yeah, so, so the statistic that I read, because, you know, I always check the morning news, is that today, as of this recording, they're selling 14 million lottery tickets an hour. Think about that. 14 million lottery tickets an hour at a dollar pop. And I got to believe that the course of the day, that's probably an average. That means some hours it's probably much higher. And I bet as we get closer to the drawing and that number ticks up for what the actual jackpot is, it's going to go crazy. So if, if everybody's in this feeding frenzy for the lottery, you can imagine all the news media. I've picked on the news media in the past, but they've run out and they found them an expert. That's right. <laughs> there is an expert on winning the lottery. That pause was put in there on purpose, guys. But, but listen to this. This is, like I said, a video. I believe this was on Good Morning America. But listen to this advice. But how do you get lucky with tens of thousands of tickets on sale in almost every state in the country? We went to Richard Lustig, who literally wrote the book on winning after hitting the jackpot himself seven times. He wrote he says, a book? first, do your homework. Going online and making sure the set or sets of numbers you play have never come up before. That's pretty important. Don't leave it to the machine. Pick your own numbers. Do not play quick picks. Lustig plays the lottery like a full-time job, and though he's won big, he loses too, but he never stops playing. Above all, he says, commit to your numbers and stick with your strategy. You have to learn what numbers to play and how often crazy. Play. And stay cool. Avoid lottery fever. When the jackpot gets this high, people tend to spend too much on tickets. Not us. Don't go crazy, because no matter how many you buy, your odds are still the same. It's so funny. I mean, can y'all believe there's really a guy who's written a book on winning the lottery? And this is, for those of you who don't know, and Richard, if you listen to Money Guy podcast, I'm so sorry. We don't mean to be picking on you. Um, if you win this time, we'd love for you to call us for some financial advice. Just want to throw that out there. Bo, but Bo, the reason, why, why are you putting that disclosure? This guy is not going to become a client <laughs> because anybody who's buying. He won the lottery seven times. He's won seven different jackpots over the, over the past. Yeah, but couple which years. one did they show him holding up a? a, a it was <laughs> it was not even a million bucks. No, he had one that was like eight hundred forty six million, uh, eight hundred forty six thousand. He had another one that was like. You know how he's 000. making his money? Can I go ahead and tell you? He's selling a book now. He's selling a book. It, this guy, if you go and follow these strategies, you're not going to be any closer to retirement. And what's funny is that I had somebody dropping off something here at the office. Um, right before we started recording, and you know everybody right now, you pass them. Instead of talking about how beautiful the weather is or how much pollen has fallen off the trees, the lottery is what everybody's talking about. And he said that he ran into a woman, and she said, "Got my financial plan," meaning she was holding her ticket and said, <laughs> "I got my financial plan." And that's exactly why we're doing this show today. Is because a lot of you guys, y'all are not those people. Uh, but it's still interesting to me that so much of our population thinks that in order to make it in life, you they have, to, have to play the lottery and get lucky. We don't believe that. And, I, you know, when we're going to talk about being a millionaire and what it takes, we have to go to our expert. Um, 
Now, before I move on to giving you actual real things, I want to give you a full disclaimer, though. We've just picked on the lottery, but we are doing an office lottery <laughs> pool here at the office, and I'll tell you why we're doing it, because it's good, clean fun. Now, I will tell you, we're only doing one ticket per employee here at the office, and it's fun for me because I like the dream. It is worth a dollar to sit back and think about what if? It'd be kind of cool because I know the other day, because we played this on Tuesday as well, because they pulled the first drawing on Tuesday where this thing is starting to get crazy. And then since nobody won, it's gotten just at a fever pitch recently. But I called Bo on my drive home from work Tuesday and I said, Bo, I know what I would do. And I gave him this whole strategy on how I was going to turn my $40 million into 100 to $200 million just in a few years through some business ventures and some other things that I'd come up with. That is fun to think about those things. Um, so I don't have any problem with the lottery in that aspect, but it is the people who are out there thinking, this is it. This is the way I'm going to do it. And then they're taking hundreds, $200 to buy lottery tickets. That's not your ticket to success. So when I talk about becoming a millionaire, I go to my tried and true source. And Bo sees me sitting here holding it, slapping it. This is like my buddy. I hang out with this thing. And it's funny. I know a lot of you guys who've been listening to us for the last few years, you've heard this advice. But that doesn't mean if you're like me, every time I read this, it warms my heart. It makes the hair on my arm stand up. So of course, I'm talking about The Millionaire Next Door by Dr. Thomas Stanley and Dr. Danko too. But I know Dr. Stanley is who I talk about primarily because I have an affinity for him because he has a great blog out there, um, and plus he lives here in Atlanta. And I think I secretly think that if I keep talking about him enough, one day we're going to actually meet, and he's going to say I'm a big fan of the Money Guy show. <laughs> but um, let me read to you what he says here on the introduction of this entire book. And by the way, if you've never read The Millionaire Next Door, please go check it out. I'll even see if Nikki can put a link on the, the website to, to make sure you guys have access to that. But listen to this before he talks about the seven factors that lead to becoming a millionaire. And then we're going to get into some numbers and actually put pen to paper and figure out how we do this. Listen to this intro paragraph. He says, the large majority of these millionaires are not the descendants of the Rockefellers or Vanderbilts. More than 80%, I'm going to say that number again because it's that important, more than 80% are ordinary people who have accumulated their wealth in one generation. Do y'all know why that is? We work with wealthy people. Remember, first generation makes it, second and third blow through it, we start the cycle all over again. So that's why it really is true, even though we have all these people telling you that everybody just inherits their money. Nope, 80% first generation. Um, but let's keep going with this. They did it slowly, steadily without signing a multi-million dollar contract with the Yankees, without winning the lottery, huh, huh, without becoming the next Mick Jagger. Windfalls make great headlines, but such occurrences are rare. In the course of an adult's lifetime, the probability of becoming wealthy via such paths is lower than 1 in 4,000. I guess that's a little better than the lottery ticket. C certainly better than the lottery. Still not good, though. Less than one than a hundred, that's for sure. Contrast these odds with the proportion of American households, that's three and a half per hundred in the one million and over net worth category. So that makes you feel good right. because you know, you know, I look around and it's kind of like when I was in school, in college. We can go all the way to college. I used to walk into my accounting classes, and I'd look around, and I go, I'm not the smartest guy in here but I'm smarter than average, so you know, I'll be okay. And it's kind of that way when I see three and a half out of 100, you know, that's still a small, small percentage. But I know if you live like no one else, it's kind of that whole Dave Ramsey 
you know, saying that he says, if you live like no one else now, you can live like no one else in the future. And it really is true. Now, I don't have this. I think I've seen it on Dr. Stanley's um, blog post, and we'll put a link to, to that millionaire blog that he does. But I believe most people who hit their millions actually in their 50s. Right. I mean, I think I've seen that. I think, you know, I think I, that's I, right. I've seen that. I'm doing that off memory, so don't hold me to that. But um, let's go through these seven factors, and this is going to be very quick before we get on to some other issues. The seven factors that Dr. Stanley and Dr. Danko put out there for the, the characteristics of those who are millionaires is they live well below their means. Force themselves to save. I mean, that's an important part. It's one thing to have a good income. It's another to actually save and build that net worth. Number two, they allocate their time, energy, and money efficiently in ways conducive to building wealth. Can I tell you something, Bo, I think about when, when I read that? What's that? Now, and I hope you, I don't get you in trouble by saying this. What do we talk about with our friends, especially a lot of your young friends? What do they focus their time and energy on? They know sports like you. They can tell you every single college football major recruiting thing going on all year long. I mean, they just know it. They're into it. And I always say, what if they took that fervor, that energy, and put it towards saving or investing or just put all that, that thought into how to accumulate financial independence. And, and that's what, you know, and we have a, a mentor is actually at, at one of our church services where um, the pastor, and you, you came in actually that Monday morning and said, and this is a great understanding that I think everybody would benefit from. What did you say also? It said, you tell about don't get busy doing nothing. We yeah. actually talked about that a little bit last week. It's exactly, and Bo helps me out with that all the time because I get caught up in some things, and I think that's where your friends who, who study the sports a lot and do get caught up in all this noise that doesn't do anything to better their lives. It doesn't spiritually, it doesn't you know, physically as well as financially better their lives one way or the other. Here's something that I think is very interesting about point two. They allocate their time, energy, and money efficiently in ways conducive to building wealth. That ties into exactly what we're talking about. You know, it's that addiction. I talk about the addiction to saving. You never hear anybody talk about that. That's not on the list like drugs, alcohol, spending. Right. The reason is, is because all the people who are addicted to saving money, we all look up to them. You know, that's the thing is that nobody talks about how hey, that guy's got an addiction. That's why he's like that. And that's why I want you to kind of build that healthy addiction, guys. Number three, they believe that financial independence is more important than displaying high social status. And that's what um, we, you know, and I'm going I'm to pick on, we have clients, you know, and I, I even found, fell pretty to this myself. I've been out to California and if we have any podcasts, I know we do because I've talked to a few of you. Podcast listeners out there in Silicon Valley as well as in the Hollywood area, Holy cow, guys, I don't know how you guys do it because there is just so much wealth. Well, there is so much wealth, but then there's also so many people pretending right. to be wealthy, trying to act like those people. I know the times I've been to Hollywood, it appears that just like around here, the Honda Accord is the popular car of choice. The Mercedes, you know, SLs and all the, the, right. the higher end Mercedes are out there like Honda Accords are here in my neck of the woods. So kudos to you guys if you can keep this millionaire mindset while you're living around all these people who are either really do have it because they've created something um, or their celebrity status or they're tied into the celebrity status somehow and, and, and all these people imitating that because there's, right. I guarantee there's a lot of people that make decent incomes but they're blowing through it to try to look like those people out there in those high income areas of the country. 
Um, number four, their parents did not provide economic outpatient care. Now we did not, Bo, I'm gonna do, I just kind of got sidebarred here. You and Nikki, kudos to you guys, because y'all are in that younger generation. And y'all know the, the Wall Street Journal article that I, I emailed to you over the weekend. This is one of those things if I ever modernized myself to do tweeting or something, I'd have probably tweeted that Wall Street Journal article because, and I'm, I wish I had it in front of me, and I, I don't know if you're going to have time to pull it up, but I'll do this off memory and then you can correct me if by chance you're able to pull it up. But the number of 20, I believe it was, was it 25 to 34? It was 25 to 34 was the age. That live at home at some point during that period of their life from 25 to 34, wasn't it around 78%? 78% was the number. 78% of, of young generation people live at home that, that's a huge percentage. And then I think that the, at some at some point throughout that time, yeah, it doesn't mean right now home. they're living. Now, the actual percentage right now of people in that, I think it was getting close to 25%. It was like 22% or somewhere in that range. Those numbers freak me out because that is, um, those are not people, if you're having to do that, that type of activity where you're living at home, you're probably, you, there might be exceptions. There's always except, exceptions to the rules. But number four, their parents did not provide economic outpatient care. They did it on their own. Number five, now this is a big one too, on the flip side of the coin, their adult children, children are economically self-sufficient. Wow, how many of our clients do we, um, do we, our prospects, do we have come in and we say, no, do you have any kids? Yes. Yes, they're, they're grown. They're adults. They're out of the house. I'm like, okay, great, great. Do you have to give them any money? No, no, no. They're, they're good. They're on their own. They're doing so. You, so when we're putting together this financial plan, you don't have to give them any money. They're, they're completely self sustaining Well, that, that, isn't that that's really that's how to exact, get it? Well, we, we actually, you know, and, and, and I mean, and I know the love of your children is something incredible. I have two young ones. Lord knows there's a good chance I might be doing the exact same thing. So it's, um, you know, you just don't know. So I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling you our experience is this stuff happens a lot. So it, it is one of those things where number five, the adult children are economically self-sufficient is very important to you becoming financially independent yourself. Number six, they're proficient in targeting market opportunities, meaning when that brass ring comes around, they grab hold. They don't get scared. They don't cower in the corner and go, oh, I don't know. This looks like a good opportunity, but I just don't want to do it right now. Maybe it'll come back again. No, see the opportunity, grab it, and move forward. And number seven, they chose the right occupation. I'm going to kind of close out so we can get into some numbers, but the right occupation is very important. We talk about it here at the office all the time. Bo, do you feel like you, you really come to work every day? No, not at all. Not at all. No, he's not. And believe me, guys, I'm not pointing anything at him. There's no, you know, there's nothing here where I'm forcing. We really do have a good time. We have created an environment, and, I, and we did it on purpose, where working is fun. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that whole mentality that if you can do something you love and you have a passion for it, then you really never work a day in your life. Exactly. And right. um, I've worked jobs where I've chewed on, well, I still chew on my fingernails, but I've, I've worked jobs where, uh, you know, you develop nervous things and you, you panic on Sunday nights because you really don't want to go to work. We don't have that here because I think we really are doing the right thing. We enjoy what we do, and we have, I mean, we're spot on. If we had a target, I think we're dead bullseye on targeting the right profession. And that's what I'd encourage you if you're a young person, because I know we have young listeners based upon the emails we got from the last show. Make sure you do what you enjoy. And it really is, I know we said this in the last show, the money just seems to kind of show up when you're happy and you're doing what your passion is. So, so focus on those type of things. So... That's where we are 
with going to my trusted resource, The Millionaire Next Door. But let's roll right into some numbers now. This is how nerdy we are. I like to talk about the net worth formula. This is something we sat around yesterday. I think um, both Bo and Nikki realized I needed some cheering up because I had a lot of things on my shoulders. I was starting to get stressed out about it. So, we, you know, we, we fell over to the lottery discussion again. And we this is kind of where this all came about. We started talking about, well, gosh, well, what would it take to have $5 million, $10 million? And we, we started having those discussions. I said, well, guys, you know, first of all, we need to figure out where we are currently. And right. I said, you know, a great rule of thumb is what is in the millionaire next door. And there's a formula. You might want to write this down. It's very easy to, to remember, but the problem is you're going to remember it while I'm telling you, and then you know, probably 48 hours later when you said, hey, I want to go run that formula, you're not going to remember everything. So, but listen to this. If you take your age and multiply it by your pre-tax, meaning your gross income, what you earn, for, and if you, I would do it by the household, you know, if you wanted to do it, if you know, if you do your assets independently from your spouse and do it by yours, but if you do it by, you know, both of y'all combine your assets and you want to know if your household is doing what they are, go by your age, by your gross income, multiply those two numbers, and then divide it by 10. And that will tell you where you are on your projected net worth, meaning that if you look at your current net worth, if, if it's less than that number, then you're not exactly where you are. If it is higher than that, then kudos to you. You're doing exactly what you need to do to build up net worth. And that's not just liquid net worth. That's all of your assets. You have to take your equity in your house, assets that you paid for. Um, you know, your vehicles are depreciating, but they do have value right now, as well as your personal assets and other things. But that is your net worth. If you add up all your assets, subtract out your liabilities, that is your net worth. And that, that little calculation right there will help you out. Now, Bo, there is a disclaimer because I didn't want you to get down. But when we went over this last night is I know I've been, you know, I read the millionaire next door many, many years ago originally. And I remember when I first read it and I saw that formula, I, I, I immediately started calculating what my net worth was. And I was, I was like, wow, wait a minute. I'm a, I'm a hyper saver. I'm what I would consider a tightwad. Yet somehow I am below what Dr. Stanley says my net worth should be. What's up with this? Here's what I've realized, because now I'm a little bit older. This book's been out for a good while. Um, I, I, I will go ahead and I'll confess it. I'm above where it says I should be based upon my income. My, our net worth is substantially higher than that. And I, I attribute part, there's a fault with this calculation. If you are under 40 years of age, now that doesn't mean I'm 38. So I, you, you know, if you get closer, I think I'm getting closer to that line. You can exceed it still. But I will tell you, for people under 40 years of age, I wouldn't get too discouraged if you don't meet that number exactly, because I think this formula is a little biased towards people who are younger. Now, remember, I told you, I think I've read it somewhere where the average millionaire actually hits their million stat millionaire status when they're in their 50s. Right. So that would make sense that this formula is a little skewed where a bias against young people because your age and you haven't had a, a long enough time to let those money, that resources and capital assets build up. That's why I don't get too discouraged. So you're saying, well, Brian, why bring up this formula if you're not going to give me some advice on what we need to do? So what I recommend people do, if you are under 40 and you don't quite meet this threshold where you age times your pre-tax income divided by 10, if you're below that and you're under 40 and you don't want to get down on yourself, your test there is say, am I saving 20% of my gross income? If you're saving 20% of your gross income, you're considered to be a hyper saver. You're doing what most people out there are not doing. And if you're doing that, then don't worry. 
the formula will work to your favor and you'll be right in line with it and actually exceeding it in no time. So that's kind of the, the, the things I like to share with people about that whole calculation, but at least let you know how are you doing um, on where you should be in life. Now let's talk about, we do this when we're talking to high school kids. We do it when, I know you've talked to youth groups before about this, Bo. What does it take to be a millionaire? Let's say now a million dollars is not what it used to be, but still it's pretty big. I mean, a million dollars is a decent amount of money. We love, we'd love to have you if you have a million dollars. I'll go ahead and tell you. So a million dollars is still a lot of money. And I always shock people because this is the thing that got me so invested and interested in doing this. I remember I had an economics teacher in my senior year of high school who said, Brian, or he told the whole class actually, and he said, you know, if you save a hundred dollars a month, you guys could all be millionaires. I was like, what? $100? I work at Hardee's. I'm the crew leader over here on the drive-thru. I can save $100 a month. How come I can do this? And that's where it kind of snapped. And that's when I started buying personal finance books and getting very interested because I don't come from money. But, and I've always been mesmerized by people who do have resources. And the, the kind of the light bulb went off in the head. And what, what's, what's funny to me is that he was actually off a little bit. Because if you do the calculation, now this does have 10%, which is a very generous rate of return. But hey, guys, we're talking about this is a lottery episode. So why not? Let's go ahead and talk about more of what's been going on the historical side of things and not just this dreary past 10 years. We always need, for illustration purposes, let's just keep it at a simple 10%. If you're 20 years of age and you want to be a millionaire by the time you're 65, you only have to save $95 a month. See, my economics teacher who was retired military, supposedly rumored Green Beret, you know, supposedly, you know, he was just a BA. You, right, you know what a right, BA right, right. is. He was this, you know, guy who supposedly did all these incredible things. But it was pretty powerful stuff when I heard I only need to save $100. And then you actually look at the, the calculation, it's $95. And that's two years later than when I was wanting to start doing this. So that was interesting. If you're 30 years old, Bo, you've got it in front of you. You know, this is getting a... You're still kind of in between, you right. know, 263. Yep. That's still doable. You can do that. Um, 35 years old, $442 a month. So it's not too late to start, even if you're in, you know, your mid-30s. A 40-year-old, this is when you can tell when age is starting to work against you, but it doesn't mean you stop. $754 a month. And by the way, this is assuming you're starting at zero. This yep. doesn't give you credit for anything you already have accumulated. If you start at zero at 40... You have to save $754 a month. And please remember, when we talk about that 20% savings rate, that's talking about your retirement accounts too, by the way. That's not above and beyond your 401ks, your 403bs, or whatever your employer offers you. That's including that. Now, I will tell you, if you really want to get the gold star, don't count your employer's match. Now, because some of you, the match is going to be what saves you, you know, because maybe you economically financially, income-wise, can't afford to do it. And if that's the case, if you know, hey, Brian, I, I, I'd love to do 20%, I can only do 15, but my employer's giving me 6% match, you're probably going to be fine. But I'm just telling you, if you want the gold star, if you want to be in that top quartile of performers, you know, don't count the employer match when you're doing that calculation. Um, we did, did we do the 40-year-old at 754, Bo? 40 was 754, yep. And then the 45-year-old is at 1317 a month. And then the 50-year-old, this is where you can tell it gets a little bit harder, is $2,413. I'll tell you, that's still doable. Though. And then I don't know if we said this is, this is to have a million dollars by 65. By 65. By average retirement age, 65 years old. Now let's do something fun. Let's do five. Let's do five million. Because what, what I think is fun about five million 
if you do if you had five million dollars of liquid assets it just did a real simple withdrawal formula like of a five percent withdrawal rate five million dollars five percent withdrawal rate that's 250 grand a year that you get to do forever and you still get to give the kids five million dollars when you die that's pretty incredible i mean that, that's just real simple it doesn't mean you know if i was doing a retirement plan for somebody that's the way we would necessarily do it but it's a good way for you just to kind of get a spot check of how much income could we live off of if we had five million dollars that's living pretty good mm -hmm. that's a pretty because remember you're hopeful when you're retired that two hundred fifty thousand dollars doesn't have to save for retirement. Nope. Nope. Doesn't have to pay a mortgage. Doesn't have to anymore. pay a mortgage anymore because you're retired. Hey, you don't have a mortgage when you're retired. Wow. That that goes a lot further. Think about that from a living expense standpoint. Twenty grand, over twenty grand, actually, without having to pay tax. Well, you have to pay taxes on the income, but right. it's going to be a lot lower than the income you have to probably pay on the other side because right. there is a skew towards investment earnings. Uh, but you're not going to have to save for retirement. You're not going to pay that mortgage. That's go that twenty grand's gonna feel a lot different than if you're making two fifty right now, but you're having to save for retirement as well as pay off the, the house as well as save for the kids' college. That's big money. So five million dollars. Let's back it up. Twenty years old. What do you have to do to save five million dollars, earning that ten percent? Four hundred and seventy-seven dollars for the twenty-year-old. It's a little. So here's the way I look at that. What that comes out to is about $5,700 a year. Yeah. If you're maxing out your Roth IRA, you have yeah. a job, and if you're maxing out your Roth IRA, you're getting pretty darn close. And that, that's probably a great way to put it, Bo. I mean, because that Roth, holy cow. Now, remember, we just did that formula. <laughs> you know, and this is, this is stuff. Y'all can see the light bulb. You can probably just hear the hamster rolling in the head right now because we just had that discussion. As I said, well, you know, you have to take into account taxes. If you're doing the $5,000 a year into your Roth IRA and you're a 20-year-old individual, that $5 million that were pretty close because you're, you're not going right. to be able to do the full close to $6,000 that you'd have to, majority of that would be tax-free. That's, inc that, that's incredible. That's the equivalent. $250,000 of tax-free is probably the equivalent of between three dollars to $325,000, you know, if you had to take into account the, the tax calculation there. So that's, that's pretty incredible stuff. Um, 30-year-old, you need to be saving $1,317 a month. The 35-year-old, $2,212 a month. Bo, and I'm going to let you kind of come back behind me and give what this is per year, too. So I'm going to go through the monthly column, and then you'll come back with the year. 40-year-old, 3768 And then for the 45-year-old, 6584 And then the 50-year-old is $12,064 a month. That's going to be a little bigger number there. I would hate to know I had to save that much. So let's, let's backdoor this a little bit to put this in kind of real-world real real perspective. So I already talked about the 20-year-old. That's kind of maxing out your Roth IRA, right? Let's move to the 30-year-old. If you're going to save thirteen seventeen per month, that's right at about 16000 a little bit less than $16,000 a year. But let's go a step further from that and say, okay, if you've got $16,000 a year, if you're saving 20%, what does your income have to be at? And so what that is, at 30 years old, if your income is right at $79,000, and that, that's you and your spouse, okay? So let's just say you have two spouses making 40000 at 30. You save 20%, you'll have $5 million if you just do that by the time you get to 65. That's a, that's, and that's a great way of looking at it. I mean, that's what I tell you. These goals, guys, are approachable. 
they are realistic if you just slow and steady wins the race and don't get sidetracked. Now, the, the, the caveat is, is if you wait, it does get more difficult. So we talked about the 35-year-old who has to save a little over 2200 a month. That comes up to right at $26,500 per year. And so if you're going to save 20%, then that puts your income at one thirty-two between between a household. So now you are getting into some, some higher incomes, yeah. um, but that's because you've waited. If, you start, if we had some, some current assets built up, the numbers are more favorable. Um, you know, if you're 40 years old, your goal needs to be to save about $45,000 a year if you're doing that monthly savings of thirty seven sixty eight. At 45 years old, it's about 79000 So now, that, now we're getting into some, some big numbers. And then at 50, if you have to save $12,000 a month, you're talking about $145,000 a year that you have to be saving. So those are some pretty, but what I found very powerful there, Bo, I think really up until 40, if I can, all my listeners who are out there between 20 and 40 years of age, and by the way, you don't have to have $5 million. I think right. that, that is right. what is necessary to say. That's why we have that net worth calculation to see where you are. $5 million is just that dream since we're talking about the lottery and this is how to win life's lottery. But I know you guys are, are driven people who, who are trying to, to figure out what you need to do to reach some of these goals. Your number might be in between these figures. Obviously, if we had that commercial where everybody walks around with a number above their head, everybody's different. But it's still fun to talk about this stuff to kind of know what your mindset needs to be to get successful, to figure out what you need to do with your life, looking at your service providers, looking at what your savings goals are, how you're handling your monthly finances. These are the things that are going to help you make the right decisions so that you can look back and go, wow, you know what? That calculation that's in Dr. Stanley's book, The Millionaire Next Door, I'm ahead of that. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, present value, I have this much money right now. If I keep saving at the rate I'm going to have, I'm going right now, I'm going to have this much money. Wow, that's incredible. Now, one thing I have to say, because I had a, a client contact me who was um, concerned. And this is a client who makes great income. He's concerned about some goals he has for the long term. Pretty young guy. I think he has tremendous potential. And he's a podcast listener, so I know he's going to be listening out there. And he's, gonna be, he's not going to have any problem in the world. And he could, the sky's the limit on what he could save for himself. But I did poke him a little bit with a stick and tell him about a 20-something-year-old client that we have that is saving like gangbusters. And he's also a podcast listener, by the way, so he's hopefully listening to this as well, but on fire with his savings goal. And I'm not, I don't want to give too many details because it is personal stuff, but I will tell you, we did the calculation. If this 20-something-year-old client keeps going at the rate that he's going with his savings, and by the way, he's been doing this for going on a three-year clip now, so this is not a fluke. You know, it's not a one year that he had a hyper-saving strategy. This has actually been a three-year period. At this it's point. a behavior and a habit at this point. We calculated it out, and we didn't use 10%. No. Didn't no. we use... We used 8%, 8 We used 8%, 8.5%. Even with an 8.5% growth rate, he was going to have over $26 million in the future. Now, he's a very blessed individual, doing incredibly well, all self-made, just incredible stuff. So those stories do exist. I'm telling you guys, there are people who are self-made tightwads who are living the dream and are going to just be able to do tr some tremendous things in life. Um, I'm going to close it out with something very interesting, and then we're going to kind of close it out with this. But I, I think a lot of you might listen to this and go, Brian, you know, but I, I need to live. 
and, and I will tell you, definitely live. But I think that's where that 20% can help you out. I know with me personally, if, you, if you're fortunate enough that you're in a great job that you love and the money has started showing up for you and you have the ability to save 20%, that's also a freeing event because it now allows you to feel more comfortable with what you're giving out to, to others. You know, hopefully you're doing that on the front end anyway, but it also allows you to feel comfortable to, to travel, mm-hmm. to do things with your family, to, to, to show people that you love them with some resources that maybe you can help them out in their times of needs and other things you can save for the kids' college because you know you're taking care of yourself first. So that's kind of a liberating event. I don't want you guys to think, I think anybody who knows us personally, money is not the only motivation. I tell that to Bo all the time. I say, slow down enjoy where you are in life right now. All it is is a tool. Yeah, because you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be older. And I want you to make sure you enjoy this period of your life. I want you to wake up and enjoy this certain thing, how it's kind of fun to look back with those glossy eyes and remember, hey, yeah, we couldn't do everything we want, but we had a pretty darn good time doing this. And, And those are the things. So I definitely am a big person on that balance that you have with your finances. I want you to become addicted with your savings goals, but I want that addiction to be one where you realize, okay, there's a point where I slow it down so I can enjoy and look around and know where I'm at in life so you're not that miser. Yep. So I think there is that balance. So with that disclaimer put out there, let me close it out to bring this thing full circle. This was Bo's idea, so I thought it was brilliant. The pot, the pot there's no telling what the drawing for the lottery will be at tonight. But as of when we are starting to record this show, it was $540 million. That's right. We are at a half a billion dollars with this lottery. We said, let's do the same dorky thing that we just did for you guys on a million and five million dollars. What would you have to invest per month <laughs> at age 20 to get to $540 million? You ready, guys? If you're 20 years old, you only have to save $51,514 a month. Let me make that sound better. That's only $618,000 a year. Not a problem for most 20-year-olds. So if you're saving 20%, you only have to be making a touch under $3.1 million a year at age 20. <laughs> I'm sure there's some boy band out there that's doing that. So maybe, that, maybe they'll listen and we can inspire them to be the next 540 millionaire. For a 30-year-old, If you want to have $540 million, you need to be saving $142,231 a month. What is that, Bo, a year? That's $1.7 million a year. That's savings at 1.7. Saving 1.7 million. And then that means that your income would need to be a touch over $8.5 million a year. (laughs) This is ridiculous. (laughs) Let's go to the 40-year-old, then we'll do the 50-year-old. The 40-year-old has to save $406,984 a month. Which comes into a nice, right under $4.9 million a year, which means you need to kind of get your income to just just under $24.5 million a year. We can, you know, that's conceivable, I guess. I mean, I've heard of celebrities that are doing that. Well, Did- Pey- Peyton, if you listen to this show, I uh, understand you just got a pretty big contract. Feel free to give <laughs> us a call. We, uh, this, we're, we're talking to you now. We can put you on your way to $540 million. <laughs> and then a 50-year-old... By the way, that was mean for so many ways, because you know why? Peyton's kind of my age, so I know he really (laughs) is right there at the 40 mark. So it's kind of mean in multiple ways that you probably didn't even realize that you were doing that to poor Peyton Manning. I shouldn't say poor Peyton Manning, because I don't think there's any part of poor Peyton Manning that makes sense. But um, the 50-year-old has to save $1,302,000 a year. It's not even worth giving you the other part of it, but $1,302,000 is how much per year? $15.6 million a year. 
That's insane. Which means you only need to be making $78 million a year to be able to do that if you're saving 20%. How big was Peyton Manning's contract? It was a five-year, $96 million deal, I believe. That might even be tough for Peyton to do. <laughs> yeah. So that's, um, that, that's just interesting stuff. I think a, another way to put it, since we've shown you how crazy these numbers are, Bo, you said it best in the pre-show planning. What, what, what were we going to tell our listeners? That um, rather than going this route and trying to save these hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, you might just want to take a $1 bill and go chalk it up and see, see if today's a lucky Not a $100 day bill, one, a $1 bill. Uno, one. Go do an office pool where everybody puts a dollar in. And then, you know, if you need to, go rewind our track and listen to those tips from that nut who says he's going to teach you how to win the lottery. Um, the best way, by the way, if you do win the lottery, don't go buy any more lottery tickets because <laughs> you've actually probably won. Statistically, it's not going to happen for you again um, on anything that's material. So um, I would consider it a win and just vowed that you might buy one ticket from here and there with the office pool, but you're done with the lottery after you win it. But um, guys, thanks for letting us have fun uh, talking about this lotto fever that's going on out there. Also, for, for putting up with us with the, the MC Hammer wannabe punk band with the You Can't Touch This. I mean, I know we're goofy, but there really is some meat here, guys. We're trying to make this fun so you guys will hopefully make the right decisions going beyond common sense and helping the Tightwad Nation grow to where you have complete financial independence. Check back with us in about two weeks and check out the show at money-guy.com. I'll talk to you soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. And Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. <laughs>